This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. G'day, everybody, and thanks so much for tuning in yet again to another episode of the show. Holy shit, it has been a turbulent past 24 hours for the show, easily the most turbulent in the well over five years that I've been doing this now. Wooshka, the host of the podcast, is going off air at sunsetting at the end of August, so I had to find a new home and I had to find one very quickly because they recommended give it at least a month for all of the episodes to feed into the new podcast host. You can redirect an RSS feed. Those of you who are technically minded understand what I'm talking about. Of course, I did that, but nothing happened. And as a consequence of doing that, that redirection, I guess I went off air for the better part of 12 hours. So sorry about that. Uh, Technology failed, it got in the way, but someone very helpful at Anchor, the new podcast host, host, he helped, and I'm very grateful for that. It all comes down to the individual needing to give a shit or wanting to give a shit, doesn't it? Bet you've all experienced that in your life at some point. Somebody just cares and you get things done. Down to the matter at hand, I have a conversation with Zach Moonshine to share with you. If you are unfamiliar, Zach hosts Metal Devastation Radio. He's the fella at the center of Metal Devastation PR and his most recent venture. Well, we talk all about that in the opening exchanges. He's hosting a festival. He's got a festival happening. It's very cool stuff, I've got to say. I mentioned the word entrepreneurial and he's exactly that. He's one of the only metal entrepreneurs out there, and that's one of the key reasons that I wanted to have a chat with him. There isn't a song. We're going to dive into the conversation. So here he is, my chat with Zach Moonshine. How's things been otherwise for you? Oh, man, super, super, super busy, man. Insane. I bet, mate. So you got this festival going on at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, uh, we decided to uh, to do a festival this year, and it is um, <laughs> it's a lot of work, man. It's a lot of work. Mm. What what inspired the? I mean, the festivals are cool, no doubt, but mate, they are they are a lot of work, mate. So, what inspired you to, you know, make that deal with the devil, so to speak? Well, uh, that was that was actually my wife, my partner Raven. Um, we we had a, a mutual friend that that reached out to us for help with uh with a local festival he was trying to put on in his area and uh things didn't work out and then he, he asked to see if we could put on something here in tennessee and um, we started moving forward with that and then he pulled out of it so it just kind of became uh something that that we were doing and i mean it just I don't know. Pretty much once we put the the notice out there on social media that we were doing a festival, that's when the madness just started happening. I mean, uh, there was hundreds, hundreds of bands that, that started contacting us and people that wanted to be a part of it. And uh, it's just, you know, it's just been a, a whirlwind ever since, man. Hmm. Yeah. Has it been, have the challenges surprised you though? And so far as I know you've had some issues with the local community there, uh, a bit of satanic panic thing going on there. Is that, uh, is that real or imagined uh, in so far as has the, has the opposition to the festival been something where you've thought, wow, people are still worried about this shit? Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, here in the South, because um, we live in, in the Southern uh, states, in the southern area of the United States is considered the Bible Belt. And there are still a lot of churches around here that, uh, you know, they do stuff with like snake handling and, and crazy stuff like that. Like they are very, um, very serious about about their religion. And they do have quite a hold on on a lot of the local politics. So they do control a lot of things that go on around here. And to be honest with you, for a long time, I've wondered why so many of my favorite bands never play in Tennessee. And, you know, I wasn't sure if, you know, I was like, what are the promoters just not looking at venues around here? Or is it the, you know, what what's the deal? And since we started doing this, that's one of the things that was that was one of the first hurdles that we ran into was trying to find a venue to book. 
because uh, nobody was returning our phone calls. Nobody wanted to deal with it. As soon as you told them heavy metal, uh-uh, they just they didn't want it. They didn't want to deal with it. And I couldn't understand why. And now I think I know now, looking at what Beach Lake has the venue that did uh, agree to do it with us, looking at what they're having to go through now with the local community, I can see probably if if that's what these other venues were worried about, I can kind of understand, you know, they, they just didn't want to deal with the backlash. It's very interesting in 2022 that we have these sorts of, uh, yeah, <laughs> these sort of issues to contend with. I mean, the satanic panic, just for people listening, if just for some background, it was, it's been completely and absolutely debunked. Okay, there was this this high idea that there was this pedophile ring, satanic pedophile ring running out of childcare services, I think it was, wasn't it? And uh, they don't add up and they don't hold water. But anyway, it all sort of interlinks from the perspective that they're all about fear, driving fear, aren't they? And uh, these days, I mean, heavy metal has long been a tonic for those of us that sit just outside of the mainstream norm, even just in a cultural perspective. We all participate in life. But, I mean... You've got Christian church. You've got a lot of Christian churches these days that embrace heavy metal during services. So to hear that you were up against that sort of opposition was was just bizarre. Yeah, yeah. And what made it uh, it, it was kind of funny too how it started. I mean, um, you know, we we were posting things in local uh, groups on Facebook and stuff like that, and we we figured we'd get a little, we'd ruffle a few feathers. And uh, obviously that would help with publicity, but I didn't know that it was that they were going to take it to this level. And the the band that they attacked first uh, that that's on the bill is Casket Robbery. They have a song um, in their discography called uh, Annabelle's Hell, hmm. which is about about a little girl that gets possessed by demons and, and starts killing it. But it's based on like horror movies and stuff like that, you know, so anybody that's seen horror movies already knows that. And anybody that follows that band knows that they're not uh, they're not satanic in the least. It's just it's all horror movies, you know, yeah. themed type stuff. But they uh, one of the pastors at the local church in that community looked looked out, uh, 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 looked into that band and found the lyrics online and he posted those lyrics. And that's what got the thing just going out of control. You know, they were trying to say that uh, because it was an all ages show that we're inviting all the children there so that they can learn about how to murder and, and uh, become demon possessed and <laughs> all this crazy stuff. And the mm. funny thing is the headlining band is Summoner Summoner circle. And they actually do, uh, they have like ceremonial sacrifices on stage and uh, it, it's a lot more, it's a lot more in tune with what they were trying to uh, trying to <laughs> trying to say. Yeah, but, but since then they they figured out about that. And now they're going nuts over that one too. But yeah, it was funny that they that they went after casket robbery first. Globally, certainly across the Western Hemisphere, um, inflation is soaring. The cost of living is out of control. Petrol prices or gas prices are uh, through the roof. Uh, we've got all sorts of issues. Uh, there's oxycontin addictions or, or uh, man, you know, uh, pharmaceutical heroin, whatever. If it's a different varieties out there, there's addictions right across the board. Yet they choose to focus on this. I'd say that their priorities are something somewhat skewed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's a really small town and, uh, this thing, you know, us bringing this festival there and uh, all these vendors and and mm, and uh, local exactly. businesses that are going to be there. It's, it's only going to help the the local economy, and uh, that's something that they definitely need. But yeah, it's funny that they're they're so much worried about. Uh, I don't know. It's just it's nuts. Mm, yeah, it is, mate. It's a crazy old world, mate. Not a lot makes sense most of the time. That's for bloody sure. You know, so, uh, but look, just just about you, you as I've, I've asked you to come onto the show, right? Because uh, we did, did some promotion. Thank you, three years for my book. Uh, that went well. And uh, I actually do listen to your show as well. I tend to put it on on Sunday afternoons. Um, I, I flip between you and, uh, you know, the classic metal show, Chris Neely, uh, Chris Aiken and uh, Neely. And yeah. uh, I, I enjoy what it is that you do. I think you've got a good flow. You've introduced me to some bands that I otherwise wouldn't have heard. But uh, your uh, your LinkedIn elevator pitch says that uh, you own Metal Devastation Radio. You mm -hmm. publish and write blogs related to metal music. And, of course, you host the Zach 
moon moonshine moonshine show. Now, I've I'm sure I've also seen that you're in a band as well. So, does that about sum things up for you? Do you think? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, uh, metal radio promotion and uh, and uh, yeah, it it all started with with that uh, one man band project that I that I put out, Brutal Death Fuck, years ago. Um, that was my introduction to uh, to internet radio and everything else that that, that followed. Really, um, back then, uh, so God, that was like almost twenty years ago. Um, when I put that on MySpace, and then I started getting hit hit up by by podcasters and people that did internet radio, and they were asking me, you know, hey, can we play your song on our on our radio? That of course blew my mind. I was like, wow, you know, <laughs> I've made it. And uh, but of course I didn't realize, you know, it's a much smaller community than than what you would think of. But at the same time, it was really amazing, and and it it just opened the doors to me to uh, see this world of of internet radio and um one thing led to another and then i got offered a gig as being a dj and i did that for a while on another station and then uh wasn't really happy with the way that they were uh i don't know i just felt like we could definitely do something uh, a little bit more inclusive and try to get get other people involved and that's that's what sort of uh started metal devastation radio um, it was born out of just trying to do something that could get other uh, other companies and other other circles in the underground to to come together, and um, and then uh, from that I went into blogging because uh, blogging that was mostly because I just everywhere I researched. Uh, how to get more listeners to your radio station, how to get more people to your website. Everywhere you go, it says you got to have a blog. And uh, so I started doing that and kind of imitating things that I would see on like Blabbermouth and stuff like that, mm -hmm. you know, just posting stuff out there that'll get people to chit chatter and click the, click the links. And then next thing I know uh, it was getting so much traffic, I guess it started getting the attention of bands as well and, and you know they were like hey you know uh if we pay you how much you know could you promote our single or album and could you send out a newsletter like you do for your shows and stuff like that and that's how promotion the promotion thing kind of got born out of that hmm. so it's just been it's been a, a non-stop one thing led to another and just constantly uh i just go with the flow man in a way it's entrepreneurial isn't it yeah, 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 uh, absolutely. I mean, uh, a couple of years ago, I was working in a factory still and trying to do all this as just a hobby, as a side project. And then um, after the pandemic, of course, we were home, you know, we were home for a while during the uh, quarantine. That's when things really went to the next level because uh, it was a sink or swim type of situation, you know, and then uh, I took this all seriously and made the move to uh to to take it to the next level and uh now i'm doing it full time and now we're doing this festival it's just it's insane man i can't believe that it's come this far but um just forever grateful to everybody out there that uh that took the time to uh to believe in us and uh supports us and uh you know just everybody uh, people like you that, that listen to the shows and all that man it's just all of it's uh it's really amazing yeah, you I find I've been doing this for about five years or so. And did you find as well there was a certain point where it felt like the the train in the caboose went over the mountain and the momentum just started kicking in and you didn't need to say pay for advertising? And I mean, I'm nowhere near making this a, a living, by the way. But uh, but for you as someone who's able to make it as a living, was it a situation where it became its own beast and its own entity at some point and you were just sort of along for the ride as well? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was it, during during the pandemic is really when it became uh, during the quarantine was when it when it really became like like a full time gig. And then uh, the factory called called us all back in. And so then it was like I was doing two two jobs at once and it just got to the point where it was just ridiculous. You know, there was there was no. Um, 
no time for sleep or, or family or anything else. It was just constant trying to keep up with this all night and then going to the factory all day. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, that's when I had to make my choice. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that like it, it, I mean, it's, it's one of those things that you have to constantly nurture and, and, you know, the fire burns, but you got to keep putting gas. You got to keep fueling it to keep it going too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I take it, you, you just do, you, you're doing this, this vision is completely intact insofar as you've had no external influence or what have you. This is completely your idea. Yeah. To a, to a certain degree. I mean, you know, I've, I've, uh, learned a lot from my, from my peers and, and from my colleagues in the, you know, that are in similar, um, similar fields. So, you know, I've just, I've, I've got a lot of friends that, that do, do this sort of thing and just kind of, uh, it, there's, there's a community aspect of it and we all kind of watch each other and learn from each other and grow, grow in that way. But, um, that didn't go to school for this. So, you know, mm. Yeah, that's interesting, the community aspect of it. Uh, that's a good point to bring that one there up because that's something that I certainly struggle with on this side of things here. It's, I don't know, I, I, I definitely lead two lives. You know, the, the music is one thing, but then I've got a whole other life, you know, the job, the family life, like you've alluded to there. But um, community, mate, there's about three or four of us in Australia that do this and we all know each other. <laughs> and and I, I tend to find I have to go abroad, you know, to people like yourself in, in terms of it's more of a global community. But obviously in the States being a far bigger economy than what we've got here, and, and I know that from a podcast side of things, it's all global because it's all part of the worldwide internet, of course. But um, did, you, did you find that it, has the community aspect of it, has it been straightforward or has it thrown up its own challenges? Yeah, it definitely throws up its own challenges. I mean, uh, you know, like one of the funny things was was when I first started the radio station, um, I thought that, the, you know, we could have links to other Internet radio stations on the website and that, that they would be that they would be cool with that. And we'd all kind of help each other out. But the truth was at the time that they were kind of laughing at me like, oh, who the fuck is this guy, man? He's, he's putting uh He's, you know, like, we're not going to share his shit, but that's okay. You can keep sharing our stuff. And uh, I learned that the hard way, you know, like, that's, that's not exactly the way, it, uh, you know, there's a lot of people, there's always going to be those people out there that are more self, um, self-centered, self-serving, or, or yeah. self-serving you know, that they're, they're looking at their own thing. And uh, it wasn't really until the, till the PR thing kicked in. Now I've got, now it's like on a different level, you know, now people are, are, are seeing, well, okay, well, you know, uh, if we interview this band that he sent us, he's going to post that on his website and share it with his people. And, mm-hmm. and so we're cool with it. And that's, you know, it's, so it's, it's just been a way of uh, learning how to work with, with uh, the way that, the way that certain people um just learning how to work with, with different people on different aspects. But uh, the PR thing has definitely made that more, um, more accessible. It's just made it easier to, to reach across the the aisle, I guess you could say, you know, to other Mm. communities and, and uh, help each other out. Yeah. I'm, I'm really glad that's, that's your feedback on that point, actually, because I certainly found that I've, I've tried to create a bit, not, I'm not going out of a way to create community, but um, people aren't receptive. You're right. But you've got, you've got a bit of a carrot there and the PR side of things is there. So it's, uh, it makes me feel a bit better about what I do hearing you say that because I'm just about the interviews, of course. So I, I don't have the wherewithal or the time or the inclination to do the PR side of things, but people are, are linking in with what you're saying. And I, and I certainly resonate there with the, uh, the idea that you were, you were an open book and you were sharing things and it sort of wasn't reciprocated. I think that's a fairly common experience amongst, for, well, for some of us at, very, at the very least. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, you know, it does trip me out that, 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 um, some people are, that are, that they're like that, but at the same time, I kind of understand it, you know, it's just, that's just the way, the way that it works, but you know, you can try to fight it all day or you can try to work with it and, and make the best of it. And, uh, in this situation, that's just what I got to do to, uh, to get the bands out there and, you know, there, there's still situations where there's websites and, and uh, magazines and whatnot that'll 
take the stuff that you send them and they'll post it out there, but they won't let you know. I don't know why, you know, sometimes I'm like, what the, what's the deal with that? You know, are they trying to, uh, to make it seem like they just found that on their own or is it, is it, is it, does it just take too much time to tag and let people know, but we still try to figure it out, you know, and some, a lot of times the bands, they'll send me stuff and they'll be like, Hey, did you send this to so-and-so? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Mm. So. Yeah. It's amazing how many times you see, you see things sort of pop up across the internet. Um, yeah. One of my mates, one of my mates in Holland sent me something the other day uh, that uh, there was a interview with Gene Hogland that I did that went viral. You know how these things go, you know, you've got no control over them, <laughs> blab mouth, pick them up and boom. Right. And, uh, he was uh, talking about my podcast and what did he say? He said something like, uh, oh, it's an aside really, so I'll just make this point. Yeah. What did he say? Uh, scars and guitars. It's a very exclusive club where you've got to have a scar and a guitar. I'm thinking, what the hell are you talking about? You know, <laughs> these people saying the weirdest shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I know. But, I mean, hey, the cool thing is, though, you got mentioned there and, and at least they got your, they, at least they put your name in there. Yeah, the attribution was there. I actually put my, my real name, Andrew Mackay Smith, in there too. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. Normally people just, you know, those, those, oh, I can't, I mean, I'm out there at this. I can't stand some of the bigger ones like Decibel and all the rest of it. It's, uh, I mean, more power to them for creating the audience uh, that they've got. And there's obviously some money behind them and all the rest of it, but there's a clickbait aspect to it all that I don't like whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Maybe not Decibel, Metal Injection, definitely, and Louder Sound, those ones. They've picked up a lot of the stuff that I put on the podcast, my podcast, probably the same for you and and it's they just they they present it like as if it's some syndicated news service like as if we are in service to them yeah 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 i mean a lot of those a lot of those bigger websites you know that's that's um that's definitely their their niche is is posting those articles that'll get people riled up and and uh stuff like that you know but uh yeah i don't know Mm. Who's uh, your interviews? Uh, I like your interviews. Uh, you definitely got a different style than most people in that you allow the interview to to unfold. And in in terms of who you feel you, if you were asked to showcase, say, an interview which re- really encapsulated who you are as an interviewer and the style that you have, which interview do you think you'd you'd uh, nominate? Oh God. That's a hard question, man. There's been so many, um, so many different ones. Uh, I don't know, or you know, like just uh, a couple. <laughs> a lot of them, you know, uh, are, are are people that that I definitely uh, identify with, and um, especially like ones that I'm friends with on social media that we talk regularly, or or. Or not like uh, anytime I've had Jeremy Kling from Inhuman Condition on the show, he's always a great chat. You know, it's always Jeremy, it always yeah. feels like I'm just sitting there uh, shooting the shit with with a friend on the couch. You know, listening to some some tunes or uh, so. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's just there's so many different ones. So you know, like there's there's just. Uh, there's ones where where I'm totally fanboying, you know, like uh, when I talked to Eric from from Watain, that was insane. I mean, that was one of my favorite bands mm-hmm. for a long time, and then uh, to sit there and talk to him was definitely. But but at the same time, I still tried to make it feel uh, as natural as possible. Just like I said, you know, it's just I've always kind of looked at it like like it's just. Uh, envisioning yourself in in the in the jam room with with your with your buddies and you're just uh, listening to tunes and drinking some beers and talking about things you know just hmm. yep I understand I can relate to that absolutely yeah this this next question might be a bit easier for you to answer have you had any interviews that you really feel have been incredibly challenging for example I can easily nominate mine which was Rex from Pantera. uh they've most of them have gone smooth uh looking back i think um there was one time when i did feel like i kind of put my my foot in my mouth when i was talking to uh mike nine from i hate god and uh they had put out a record Mm. i can't remember which which record it was it was uh 
they had they had sort of been out they hadn't put out a record for a while and during the interview at some point i asked him i said something like so this is sort of like a comeback record for you guys and i feel like it kind of i kind of felt like it might have pissed him off a little bit because he was it was like a comeback you know like i don't know you it's it's on it's online you can hear it but uh i kind of you know I took a step back and I was like, oh shit, what do I fucking do, man? But you know, I just I let it I let it fly and then came back in. And I think we we still managed to finish it without it being totally I don't know. Maybe it was probably more in my head than anything, but that's that's one of the few times that I can think of that uh that I felt like was a little bit challenging. But other than that, I mean it's um Everybody's just usually been really, really cool. I mean, that's that's one of the one of the things I love about this is is finding out how many people out there are just really cool, down to earth people like like you and yeah. me. You know, we're all we're all the we're all very similar. You know. Yeah, I definitely find that too. And in in, in well over seven hundred interviews now, most of which I've posted for the podcast. It's it'd be the the one percent of the one percent that I could say that I consider a general failure, and very few of them would be of any bands of prominence. But uh, yeah, certainly my chat with with Rex, it's it's out there for anybody to have a listen to. But I did edit the uh, the opening exchanges there because Rex threatened to to uh, hang up <laughs> um, <laughs> because I gave him a compliment about being a great bassist in Pantera, and he said something like, uh, "If this is going to be another heavy metal interview, I'm not going to fucking do it." And I was like, oh, um, honestly. Looking back at the, I should have just said, you know what, Rex, maybe when you're feeling a bit better about things, maybe we can reconnect then. But, mate, you know, you can't just ignore the fact that you're in probably the biggest heavy metal band and probably also, too, I've got to say, one of the most important metal bands ever. Not just, sorry, not just metal bands, but bands ever. And people are going to be in, intensely interested about your time there. Hell, you even wrote a book about it. So rather than just focus on your new album, which isn't that great, to be honest with you. I mean, it's got its moments. You know, his solo album that he released a couple of years ago where he played guitar on. Mm -hmm. Um, But it certainly isn't going to be his breadwinner moving forward as time has proven clearly, you know, with Phil and uh, Rex breaking bread and asking uh, Charlie and uh, Zach Wilde to join them on some Pantera uh, experience that they're putting back together again. But, uh, yeah, that was a, I wrote about it in my book, actually a very challenging interview for a number of reasons. And, uh, I tend to use that one as the, uh, as the benchmark, if you like, and which I, I judge any other challenging interviews against. And I've got not, not had any that have even come anywhere close to that one. Yeah. I, 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 I totally, I, t- I totally understand, you know, and and being a huge Pantera fan myself, if if I ever had the chance to talk to Rex or anybody else in the, in the band, it would be very difficult to uh, to focus on anything else besides the Pantera legacy, to be honest with you. I mean, because that's what, you know, that's what most of us know them for, you know, but yeah, I I can see how, you know, with their side projects, when they're trying to pump them up, you know, like they're that where their focus is at and and they're they're thinking that they're thinking that everybody else is thinking the same way you know like but oh it's <laughs> you know we're, we're looking at the classic stuff man mm. i tend to find one informs the other okay so i mean you can re- feel really good about having a great chat about pantera or, or what have you you know whoever i'm talking to if they're in a you know larger band and they've got a side project you can talk about the larger band and then you can sort of it's not about inserting questions in around the newer project, but it's about joining the dots. Okay, so you did this then, so why is this important now? That sort of thing. And that's how, how I generally would structure my, my – because I don't really have interviews, as you can tell. They're conversations. And, uh, yeah, it was it was just very challenging. And I, I think it was ironically – I mentioned, you know, in Mental Injection a moment ago, I think those guys had a terrible time with him. Um, as well, he simply wouldn't answer some of their questions. I think it was metal injection anyway. I'm drawing on my memory here, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think at that point in, in Rex's life, he might not have been in the best place. Put it that way. Certainly not in as good a place as what he might have intended to be, given he had a bloody his first ever solo album to promote. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, that you know that that reminds me. Uh, recently, I talked to Paul from from Cannibal Corpse, and uh, he mm. was promoting. Uh, a side project that he has right now that's more of like a classic rock type thing 
And uh, going into the interview, I was a little bit worried that maybe he wouldn't want to talk about Cannibal Corpse at all, you know, and just focus on the the solo project. But he, he was definitely cool in, in talking about both. And we just kind of flowed back and forth with it. Hmm. Which one of your interviews is as I mean, again, I've got a, an interview, Stuart Anstis from Cradle of Filth, which far eclipses anything else that I've done in terms of it's taken on its own life. It's got tens of thousands of downloads. But for you, has there been an interview like that as well? Like uh, what I would consider the most most successful or my favourite? Oh, yeah, most successful in terms of it's it's just gone on to live a life of its own. You know, it's been rebroadcast and picked up by so many other outlets. It's probably your most downloaded and listened to episode or interview. That's a hard question too, you know. Um, I mean, uh, I, I definitely saw some high numbers on that Watain interview that I did. Uh, but to be honest with you, man, there's so many, uh, I'm constantly moving forward that I don't, it's, it's rare that I, that I get a chance to, to go back and, and check the, check the stats on, on each individual one. As crazy mm -hmm. as that sounds, I mean, I do, I do look at the stats for, you know, as far as like the overall website on Google and stuff like that. But as far as individual um, interviews, uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> there's been there's been so many. It's drawn a blank. But it, one of the most exciting moments, uh, and and uh, one of the ones that sticks out the most to me is actually one of the first ones. I think it was my second interview, and it was with Eric from uh, Trouble. Rest in peace, man. Oh, nice. Yeah. He was uh, doing the Blackfinger uh, record at at the time, and uh, I can't remember what promoter or record label sent it over to me and asked me if I would interview. And I was thinking, my gosh, you know, like they don't even, you know, like I'll, you know, I'll try to do my best, but I was extremely nervous about that one. And, uh, but it's, it, it makes me laugh too sometimes because I know I see a lot, you know, a lot of people, uh, I, it was, it was a lucky, definitely a lucky strike you know for that to be so early on because sometimes you you kind of have to work your way up in the ranks to get some of the some of the bigger ones you know what i mean mm -hmm. i do yep yeah, i do yeah as i say i just felt like at a moment for, for scars and guitars uh, uh the caboose and the train went over the mountain and i can actually i can actually tell you when that exact moment was it was when i had was uh, What's his name? George Lynch from Dokken, of course. Everybody knows George, who's a fan yeah. of guitar work. His publicist reached out and wanted him on the show, and I, I couldn't believe it, to be honest with you. I thought, <laughs> of course. And and that interview ended up going absolutely. That's another one to talk in terms of the high watermark on a few levels, personal and from a PR perspective, because he made some comments at the time that didn't even register. Okay, about Donald Trump, he can't stand him. So many of the musicians can't. We were very vocal, at least, about politics. Didn't think anything of it. I didn't even dive deeper on the topic. I just let him talk about it and we moved on to the next subject. Well, I couldn't have been more wrong in terms of it getting picked up. Of course, Blabbermouth oh, yeah. still, <laughs> to this day, four years later, still run with the quotes. Whenever there's a conversation, whenever there's something brought up about George, I can say, and he said on Scars and Guitars, this about Donald Trump. And uh, it baffled me to an extent because who cares? Um, we're here to talk about the music, sure. And mm. I, I, I'll, I'll talk about politics all day wrong. Don't get me wrong. I'm not one of those people who think that they're separate. But what he said wasn't exactly newsworthy because so many musicians have got uh, are out there and insofar as at the time, certainly their opposition to Trump. And... I don't dive deeper on these things because I just don't feel it's necessary. We'll talk about, you know, I've, I've been on record about my response to COVID, certainly here and in the States. I think it's been disgusting, the totalitarianism. But the Trump thing was completely different. It's like, hey, man, say whatever you want to say. I'm not going to dive much deeper on this. But, yeah, it just lived, lived a life of its own. So have you had something similar where someone's brought something up on the show and you've not even not, not even registered at the time? but Blabbermouth, et cetera, they've picked it up and run with it and it's become the thing in the interview? There there was, 
gosh, there there was something a while back, but now I can't. Uh, I'm drawing a blank when I'm trying to think of who it was. But I do remember seeing seeing one that kind of got repeated a few times, and I was it made me laugh for the same reason because it was just something that was that was in there that that I didn't pick up myself, you know. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I mean that's that's just what those uh, that's what those websites are, are, are. You know, they're out there to do. You know, like they're that's how they make their uh, <laughs> that's how they make their their uh, that's how they pay their bills. You know, they, they they just they're they're always looking for uh, little tidbits and things that that are said here and there that and then they'll just run with it, man. Yeah, but it is funny. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. I, I, someone else I'd love to talk to is Borovoy, you know, from from uh, Metal Maniacs and um, Blabbermouth. Sorry, Blabbermouth. And I, I would love to have him on. And I've spoken to I've spoken to a few people that have actually cornered him in a bar or what have you, and said, "What the fuck? What are you doing?" You know, Dino <laughs> from Fear Factory is one of them. He told me he said Dino hit him up because of course Dino's just you know right for clickbait. And Dino, I've got to say, Dino's a lovely fellow. My perception of him before the chat wasn't great, but actually having him on the show, he's actually a really good guy, very down to earth and will answer every question you put in front of him. But I think I think it was Dino that asked that said to me that he cornered him in a bar and says, What the fuck are you doing, man? And he goes, if you don't want to feature in the pages, just don't say things that are controversial or that are going to make the show. But I mean, that's make the platform. But that's very hard, isn't it? Because we're all humans and we we talk in the moment. And you know, it's it's not a case of you self censor. I don't think anybody should self censor. By the way, I think it's ridiculous. I mean, use your common sense, but don't self censor. But uh, but Bory and a couple of the others, mate, they've certainly created a bit of a. It's more than a cottage industry around clickbait, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I know. Uh, there's There's been a lot of bands, you know, especially doing PR that have asked me before, you know, like, how do you get, you know, like, how do you get, get your stuff put in, uh, put in some of these bigger websites, like what you mentioned. And um, that's usually, you know, there, there's nothing else you can really say, you know, it's like, you know, we can send them stuff all day long and, you know, and hope that they'll, that they'll check it out. You know, they might, and sometimes they do every now and then, but for the most part, you know, the easiest way to get in there is you know, find somebody online and pick a fight with them, start talking about <laughs> some political bullshits. You know, if you, if you've got a death in the band, if you, if you've got a, a political fight with somebody, or if you're in a war online with somebody else, you're bound to get in there for sure, man, front page. <laughs> but I mean, you know, as yeah. far as, like, you know, they check out this new video, you know, man, it's, <laughs> it's I mean, that's just, you know, that's just not what, unfortunately, that's not what gets them the clicks either, though, you know, like, you know, when they, if, that's what not what people are that much, you know, if you just look at the comment sections on social media and stuff like that, you know, those controversial things that they post like that hundreds and thousands of comments, you know, because that's what people just go nuts over. They love to argue about something. So, and they know that they're, they're exploiting that and but that's their business, man. It is indeed. Yeah. So is, is there anybody that's on your bucket list in terms of interviews that, that you, uh, you really hope an interview comes about in the near future? Oh man. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I ask all the tough questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, uh, obviously, anybody from Metallica would be cool. Um, That's interesting. Yeah, I've got a different take on that, but yeah, do tell. Who, who would you who would you chat to first? Just, I mean, any you know, James, Lars, Kirk, Rob Trujillo. I mean, any of them. It would be cool because uh, that's one of the one of the first bands. That I, that I can, you know, from my childhood, I mean, I talked to Paul Deano from Iron Maiden, so I've already gotten that one. But uh, Rob Halford from Judas Priest, that would also be cool. That'd be uh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just basically, I mean, you know, any, any of those guys that were on, that were hanging on my walls when I was a kid, you know, that's just, that's always a trip, you know, like, uh, 
I talked to Doro from, from Warlock and that was, that was cool for that reason, you know? And I even told her, I was like, you know, when I was a kid, I had posters of you on my wall (laughs) and she started laughing at me. And then, but she was really sweet. She was really cool to talk to. Uh, It's just, I mean, it's always cool to talk to your idols, your childhood heroes that, 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 you know, that we grew up listening to. But uh, at the same time, it's also cool talking to the underground artists that are that are coming out because some of those guys are so excited and so uh, just just fired up, you know, and, and um, they just, you know, so there's there's just different different um, different aspects of the interview, you know, like it's cool talking to the legends, even though, you know, they've probably told you the same things they've told other people a million times, you know, but that's still cool but then it's also cool talking to the young guys the young bands you know that are just coming up that uh that are fresh and and hungry you know and so um i don't know i i just i enjoy all of it yeah i'm I'm glad you mentioned that there is a duality to what we do isn't there because we get i mean how many interview opportunities would you get a week probably in your case probably hundreds but in my case it's down to it's in the the tens if you like and i have to be selective just based on energy levels and the amount of time that i've got for things but uh yeah i i found i gotta say that i've found that some of the uh, less experienced bands the bands that aren't out there that aren't known the they don't really go well on podcasts some of those chats i find because it's not like this where you can have a conversation and it probably helps that you're a fully fledged adult too a lot of these young bands, they're in their early 20s. They don't have a lot of life experience yet. And so you're trying to create a bit of a to and fro like we do here. And um, it doesn't happen. So I end up listening back to the chat and I think, do I even put this bloody out there? And I've got to say, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I just turn it into a yarn and just share it as a blog entry or what have you. Yeah, yeah. I've definitely talked to some to some young bands that you could tell they were very nervous and yep. you really had I really had to push to get to get those answers out of them, you know, or get them to feel a little bit more comfortable and loosen up. But, uh, yeah. Mm, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And look, and just on Metallica too, I'd certainly talk to Rob Trulio, but I don't really consider him strictly a Metallica member for obvious reasons. He's been in a bunch of bands and it's a, is an outstanding basis, but, um, yeah. I just don't, I just don't know whether there's that much to talk about with those Metallica guys. You know, that they're such, they've led such an interesting, They've had such an interesting career and in that you could dive into so many aspects of it, but it's all been covered so much. Yeah, and- that, that's that, that's definitely true. Like like what I was saying earlier, you know, like that, uh, everything that they that they would probably be able to tell me, they've already told somebody a million times. So, yeah, definitely on, on that on that level, I wouldn't know what to really ask them to be honest with you because I've read everything and I've, I've already heard all the other interviews. I guess, I guess just to get them to make a tag, just to say, Hey, this is Metallica and you're listening to Zach on metal devastation radio. <laughs> yeah. We just cut it, which is, it'll be like, you know, a, a three minute, two minute fucking interview. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I think, Joe Rogan probably had the best interview, I think, certainly that I've listened to with uh, James Hetfield and that, you know, Joe's pretty good in that he asks a question, open-ended question, yeah. sits back and just lets the person weave their web, so to speak, through conversation. Um, that was probably the most insight I'd ever seen anybody obtain out of James Hetfield, but he seems like a really guarded and cautious character on that front. And I'd be asking questions like, so why did you fuck with Jason so badly? I don't know whether to go down that well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that might not go so well, but yeah, I I totally feel you, man. Oh, mate, yeah. Hey, uh, I I noticed that you use Mixcloud for your streaming. Why do you use that platform there? Is there some some benefit? I'm just curious, that's all on this front here. Is is there some significant benefit you find with using that platform? Um, I... Trying to think, trying to look back and remember like why I chose to go with that one versus I think because uh, because I'm uploading music into the podcast, uh, you know, I, I put the audio. I mean, I put the interview ones, just the interview on Spotify, iTunes and, and YouTube, but they get a little bit weird when you add music. So Mixcloud, they uh, they do pay the, the bands uh, some royalties somehow through um for the listens so Mm. 
it's it's easy it's it's pretty easy to upload the podcast on mixcloud and put the track listing on there and have it time stamped to where when whenever somebody's listening to it they're able to track you know how many times they've listened to what songs by what bands and and then pay those bands uh whatever small percentage of royalties you know i mean it, who knows it's probably fucking uh you know not even a penny but I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's something. Yeah, not even enough for a hot dog skin, mate. I oh, know it's ridiculous, isn't it? I think that whole thing's just a bit of a you know, horse and show, dog, whatever the carrot and pony show or whatever it might be. It's, uh, it it's really ridiculous. Is. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, I, I, I nominate who I play too, but God knows. I mean, I certainly have never seen a cent from anything that I play. I mean, YouTube, I think, you know, you, you, you see the numbers come through there. And I mean, it's a couple hundred bucks or whatever it might be, but you certainly would never bank on it. And same thing for, for the artists when you play their music. I mean, most of the artists, especially the underground stuff, doesn't even register on Spotify. So it's less than a 1,000 listens, I think, per individual. I think that's how it works with Spotify anyway. So Spotify are uh, known for paying three-fifths of fuck all. So, uh, And that's for the big bands, Nine Inch Nails and Radiohead have long been on record about that, I think. Certainly Radiohead have been. Um, but, um, yeah, mate, it would just almost be easy to say, here's my music. They get a hundred bucks, just a flat rate, and they'll play it for eternity. Or it's available there to play for eternity, I should say. At least they would get something commensurate to buying a case of beer and some Chinese, some Chinese food. <laughs> right. <laughs> Mate, it's all we've got. Yeah. You know. Mate, I'll uh, I'll make this one my last question for you. Uh plans, in other words, the future. What do you think it holds for you and for the show? And I have uh just uh i really have no idea i mean every day every day is a surprise but uh right now i just hope that uh we can keep things going at the you know at the at the same rate that we're doing and and the level um we got this festival we're going to knock this out in october and uh we're already looking at another festival for next year uh, we got two actually. We're, we're we're looking at doing another one here in Tennessee next year at some point, and uh, we are also uh, in the process of uh, doing another one in Chicago here pretty soon. So uh, just looking forward to to doing that and seeing where that all takes us. And I don't know, man. Mm. It uh, it unfolds as it does, doesn't it, in this world here? I mean, there's certainly the bands need to have conversations with people and they're not going to be in the pages of the Rolling Stone anytime soon. So I think we, I do think, I'll, I'll finish on this note, I think we do provide an important service, but it's a service we do anyway, isn't it? Because we enjoy it, we love the music and it's part of our soul. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, even if I wasn't doing uh, the the promotional thing as, as a business or uh if I wasn't doing the, the the festivals or anything like that, I would still just be interviewing bands and and doing my little radio show because that's just that's what that's what it's all about. You know, that's where the passion is. It's just it's just uh, it's just fun being being a part of this community and getting to talk to these different people. Mm-hmm. I I 100% agree on that point. There, it's a it's a unique privilege and it's something I've never taken for granted. So. Thanks, mate, for for the chat. Oh, I love listening to your show. Uh, for the PR side of things, uh, actually, I'll make this my final point. Just so for any bands out there, I mean, you certainly you help me with my book, so you don't just do music. But um, what what are your channels and what's the web web address that people can go to if they want to uh, say plug into your services? All they got to do is go to metaldevastationradio.com and uh, everything's right there. Mate, it's been great. It's been great to finally catch up. Thank you so much, Andrew. I really appreciate it. Anytime. Oh, thanks, brother. No worries. Chat again soon. Cheers. All right. Well, there he is, Zach Moonshine, ladies and gentlemen. Great to chat to him. Again, as I mentioned up front, this is the first episode that is being broadcast via Anchor. I hope it gets out there to everybody. God knows I've done enough work to ensure that the RSS feed links up to all of the usual podcast platforms. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith and I'm the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast series. I'm gonna leave you with a bit of a message about my book, so please stick around and have a listen to that. Otherwise, it's a very good bye. Until next time.
This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. I've been the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast since 2017. The first musician I interviewed for the show was David Vincent from Morbid Angel, and things have just snowballed from there. In all, I've posted almost 650 podcast episodes featuring conversations with many of the leading lights of rock, heavy metal, and beyond. It just got to a point where I thought, I need to write a book about all this, so that's exactly what I did. In Scars and Guitars Volume 1, you'll read a heap of deep reveals and commentary, such as Des Fafara talking about Cold Chamber and why the band will never return. You know, if you're a, a band just starting out, you need to hear me. Do not start a band with partners. Yeah, wise words there. Sage advice, mate, for anybody. Don't ever, because I I can't go do Cold Chamber right now unless I get others involved. Phil Anselmo talks about the episode in his career, which gives him the greatest sense of accomplishment. I think the staying power of the the fans and the staying power of the the songs, you know, whether it's Pantera, Down, or Superjoint, the fans remember the songs. Alex Skolnick from Testament confirms that, yes, Playing the guitar in Ozzy's band is anything but an ordinary gig. Will Silent Oz from Demu Borgir write a book? Pa from Sabaton gives advice to people who want to start a band. Look at the team around you, look at the bandmates. If, uh, if the guys want to be on the stage, then it's all cool. If the guys want to be backstage, then it's not going to be cool. Current and former members of Cradle of Filth discuss the band's seminal 90s material. Read about the reaction to George Lynch and Mark from Suicide Silence's comments when they throw shade at then-President Donald Trump. We have this idiotic monster, you know, this egotistical, self-aggrandizing, complete piece of shit in there. I, I, just, I just can't understand how we've gotten to this place. And yeah, we kicked a hornet's nest with Sepultura. Percussive overlord Gene Hoagland talks about recording with Chuck Schuldiner. Chuck was always, um, you know, he was, he was very, you know, very open-minded, and and he was into having his his musicians that were playing with him just reach out for for the best stuff that they had. Phil Campbell from Motorhead discusses what it takes to get sober. John Five answers his critics who dismiss his tenure with Marilyn Manson. You know, my name is John Five, and Manson gave me that name, and um, I had some of the best years of my life in that band and, and learned a lot. And we get the lowdown on Trey Zagtoth from those who would know, including his mother. All across Scars and Guitars Volume 1, there are moments of tension, relief, tragedy, exhilaration, and throughout it all, you'll obtain insight that I believe no one else has managed to obtain from many of your favourite artists. So treat yourself. Scars and Guitars Volume 1 is currently available as an ebook with a print edition on the horizon. Follow the links attached and download a sample. I'm sure you'll be compelled to read the whole book.